Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Well, I already said it once, I want to say it again. Merry Christmas. Um, I absolutely love the season of Advent. It is absolutely one of my favorite times in the Christian year. I just, I love the idea of us being able to center our hearts. And I know we had a little bit of fun with the Advent wreath this morning. It was kind of funny, but, but I love that tradition. I love being able to kind of focus our hearts on Jesus's first coming, but also prepare ourselves for Jesus's second. Because as Christians, that's really what this season is about. It is about us preparing ourselves and making sure that our lives example and are ready for when Jesus returns, because that could be at any moment. And so I just love the season of Advent. Okay, well, this morning I thought that I kind of start out a little bit different way, and I would love for you to fill in the blank with me on some of these very popular lyrics for songs. Okay, so here we go. All you need is blank. All right, you got that one. But I can't help falling in blank with you. All right. I will always blank you, all right? You give blank a bad name. Crazy little thing called, all right, little too easy, right? Those were a little too easy, and each of them, obviously, the answer is love, love. Well, the last few weeks, we have been helping define each of the words of Advent. We've gone through and we looked at hope, we looked at peace. We looked at joy, and today you might be asking yourself, I want to know what love is. You see what I did there? (laughs) So to find love this morning, we're actually going to look at one of the most well-known passages in all of the Bible. In fact, it's probably the most well-known verse throughout Christendom, okay? So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to John's Gospel, The Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you. You're more than welcome to grab one of those. But we're going to be in John chapter 3. You probably already know where I'm going when I say John 3. I actually toyed with the idea, as you guys are turning there, I actually toyed with the idea of trying to put a few more lyrics throughout the message. But I was afraid you'd be concentrated on that a little bit more than on the message. So I decided not to do that. I just knew that you guys would be waiting for that. Okay. All right, let's start in verse 1 of John chapter 3. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth 
to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Okay, so there is a whole lot that we could look at when it comes to this incredible interaction that Jesus has with Nicodemus. But there's just a few things that I want to highlight to help us as we kind of look at this passage a little bit. First, we have to ask ourselves, who is Nicodemus? And John tells us, he gives us two indications of who Nicodemus is. He says he was a Pharisee and that he was part of the Jewish ruling council. Now, both of these things, both of these responsibilities and positions were highly respected and highly honored in Jewish community, okay? So throughout the Gospels and in Acts, we see this interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees and even Jesus' own disciples with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a distinct religious order, who interpreted scripture with a strict legalistic view. They pursued adherence to the law as a passion. They were so committed that they even took a pledge, like pledging to a fraternity, the promising to spend all of their lives being observant to the finest detail of the law. And that might sound good to you. You might be listening to this and you're even asking yourself, you're like, man, why does Jesus seem to give them such a bad rap then? Why why does Jesus always seem to confront them? If all they were about was righteousness and being obedient to the law, why in the world is Jesus confronting them all the time? Because the problem is that in trying to obey the law, they missed the very heart of why God had given the law in the first place. Have you ever uh, been so close to something that you, you actually couldn't see it? You know what I'm talking about? Like you've, it's so close in front of your face that it's, it's like blurry and you can't make it out. You have to take a step back to be able to kind of see what it actually is because you're too close to it. Well, this is exactly what happened to the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were so close to the law that they couldn't see what the heart of the law was all about. They couldn't see what it was really about. So not only is Nicodemus a Pharisee, from his theological viewpoint, but the scripture also says, as John says, he's also a member of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was a governing group over the, the, the Jewish courts. Essentially, what it was is that there was about 70 men, including the, the high priest, who from all over Israel were respected for their opinion, uh, the way that they interpreted the scriptures, and so they were invited to be part of this this judging and ruling, kind of, kind of like a Supreme Court, if you will, over 
Israel. And so Nicodemus was part of this. Now, you might remember the Sanhedrin because several chapters in, into John after this interaction takes place, Jesus is going to be judged by the Sanhedrin. He's going to stand trial with them, okay? So this is the, the group that he is part of. He's a Pharisee, but he's also part of the Sanhedrin because they were considered the wisest and most righteous people throughout all of Israel. That's important because of the next thing that John says. John says this. He says, he came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Why in the world would this well-respected, highly honored person come to see Jesus in the middle of the night? Why not meet him in during the day whenever he's out walking about and teaching and, and talking and doing miracles among the people? because of his position. He didn't want other people to know that he was going to talk to Jesus. See, he had seen Jesus, heard Jesus, and he had some questions about who Jesus really was. He was struggling to try to figure out how Jesus fit into the paradigm and the theology that he already had as a Pharisee. And he knew that if he went in the middle of the day, his friends were going to try to stop him. His friends would have said, are you absurd? You're a teacher of teachers, and you're going to talk to this carpenter from Nazareth. You think he's going to be able to shed some light onto truth for you? Are you joking with us, Nicodemus? You're a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, well-respected by all this community. They would have stopped him. You know, maybe this morning that's where you're at. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you're trying to figure this all out. You're putting life together, and you're trying to figure out how does Jesus fit in the midst of all these things that I'm trying to work out in the midst of life. And Jesus keeps on plugging you because he doesn't quite fit the way that you want him to. I'm going to be pretty honest. I have met so many people, even people here in East Bernard, who think they have Jesus figured out. They think that they know exactly what Jesus is. They've got this religious compartment. Okay, here's religion. Here's kind of where it fits into my life. And then I've got other parts of my life. And, and that's, that's the way Jesus kind of gets into this. And, and most of these ideas, I'm sad to say this, but it comes from their upbringing. It comes from how they did church and the way that they were brought up. The problem is that Jesus is not at all about rules and regulations. He's not about law at all, but that's kind of how we think of him. Okay, well, I'll just be obedient, try to follow these particular things, be a good person, and that'll be what I need for being able to follow Jesus. But that's not what Jesus even says to Nicodemus right here. What does he say? He says it's about the Spirit of God living inside those who believe. It's about the power of God's Spirit transforming you into the image of Jesus. And that's why he tells Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You see, because only the Spirit of God can create in you into being a new human being. No amount of following the rules is ever going to work. It's not going to save you. Only through God's Spirit in you, by your trust in what Jesus has done, can you have new life. And my prayer is that everyone in here, every person would believe and receive God's Holy Spirit. 
So with that context, let's take a minute to kind of focus in on that passage I said we were going to look at, John 3, 16, okay? I want us to see some characteristics of God's love that John provides for us in this passage. Now, I've done this several times at Community Fellowship, um, but once again, I kind of need to dispel some false ideas that you have about interpreting this specific passage, okay? Because too many times when we read this, we emphasize the wrong words. We emphasize world. We're like, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? The problem is that's not what the text does. The text actually emphasizes so loved, okay? So in other words, we should read it like this, for God so loved the world. So you don't highlight world, highlight the so loved. Now you might go, okay, well, that's just a little bit of semantics there, James. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Why in the world are you trying to point that out? Because here's the reason. In Greek, the passage can be translated this way. In this way, God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. See, the emphasis is not the object of God's love, but on how he loved. In this way, giving of his son. The emphasis is on the love. It's not on the object, not the people that he loved, but on how he loved. And so often we don't get it. We don't understand that. We don't see that. But really, this is an illusion. He's, John is pointing back to chapter one. He's pointing back to what he's already said, where he says, Jesus entered into the darkness and the brokenness of humanity, because that's what God's love causes him to do. It defies all reason. Several years ago, a friend of mine was going through a really difficult time in his marriage. Um, his wife had been lying about an inappropriate relationship that she'd been having with another gentleman. And my friend found out, and he was completely devastated. Um, his church, trying to be supportive, um, found a place for him to spend some time just to kind of be there and, and just pray through things, uh, kind of think through things, maybe even think about what his next steps were going to be. But after just a few short hours, he called the pastor and he said, thank you for putting me up here, but I'm going home. The pastor calmly replied and he said, are, are you sure about this? This is available to you for as long as you need it. You're more than welcome to stay here. And my friend responded, I don't need any more time. I need my wife to know that I love her. And staying here won't show her that. You see, love enters into brokenness. It doesn't retreat. Love enters into brokenness. And that's exactly what God did. God knew that for humanity to know what love was, he was going to have to enter into our world. He was going to have to enter into this mess. He couldn't just stay in heaven. He couldn't just watch it all from there and just stay there. He was going to have to become incarnate. He was going to have to take on flesh and blood and bone. Listen, listen to how Paul says it. I'm going to read this one really, really slow. But just listen to how Paul says it. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Just listen to this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What reasonable individual 
What right-minded person would enter into a place where they are hated and despised? That is what Paul's saying. When we were still sinners, when we hated Jesus, we wanted to spit in his face. God enters into our world. He comes into our world. He enters into the brokenness. And to enter into that brokenness, John says, God gave. God gave his one and only son. God gave of himself that which was the most valuable thing he could give, his son. You might be familiar with this story, but I love it and I want to tell it. A young couple was recently married and they were spending their first Christmas together. And the couple didn't have a lot, just enough to be able to afford their apartment and, and also some food on the table. Della, the, the young missus, had beautiful long brown hair that many of her neighbors actually envied. And Jim, her husband, he only had one thing to his name, a gold pocket watch handed down in his family for generations. Each of them grieved that they had nothing to afford as a gift for the other on Christmas. So on Christmas Eve, unsatisfied that she had nothing to give her husband, Della decided, you know what, I'm going to go visit the wig maker and see how much I can get for my hair. And so after determining a fair amount, Della agreed and she hurried to the department store before it closed and she purchased a chain and a clip for Jim's pocket watch. So excited and delighted with her purchase, she rushed home to wrap it before Jim came home from work. And when he finally did arrive, he immediately noticed her hair. Honey, why did you cut your hair? Brimming, smiling with this huge smile, Della proclaims, so I could get your gift for Christmas. Before she could even reach for the gift, Jim hands her a small wrapped package. She delicately opened it to find two costly decorative hair combs that she had often admired when she was out with him. Holding back her tears, she hands Jim his gift. And after opening it, Jim sits down on the sofa, staring at the gift. Della asks, do you not like it? He responds, of course, I love it. It's just that I had to sell my pocket watch to purchase your hair combs. See, love always gives what is most valuable. It doesn't withhold. That's exactly what God does. Listen to one commentator in the way he put it. If the depth of love is measured by the value of its gift, then God's love could not be greater. For his love gift is his most precious possession, his only eternally begotten son. See, God gave what was most precious to him. He gave up his son. That's what God's love does. It gives. Last week I asked, why do we give Christmas gifts to our kids? And Sherry had such a great response. She said, because we love them. Yes, yes. The reason we spend so much is because we love our children, because that's what love does. It gives of what's precious and valuable. Finally, the, the other thing in this passage that we often do so poorly um, is that we don't look at the following verse after 16. We concentrate on 16. We love that one. We love being able to share that with people. 
you know, sharing about God's love and how he came to save us. And, and that's rightly so, right? Because that's the truth. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus came when we were separated from him because of our sin. Jesus came and he died for us. So we love this passage. But unfortunately, what happens is instead of being filled with that love and following Jesus' own example to move toward the broken, to love them by giving of ourselves. Instead, we often choose to point fingers at them. We preach at them, but we stand in judgment over them as they're doing all the wrong things, all the things we know they're not supposed to do. And ultimately, what we do is we condemn them. But that's not what love does. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, love saves. It doesn't condemn, it saves. Jesus didn't just come for the clean and the good. That's not who Jesus came for. He came for the ones who keep on messing up. He came for the ones struggling with addictions. He came for the ones reeking of alcohol still suffering from the depression of their wasted life, the ones caught and selling themselves to put food on their table. He came for the ones hustling others on the street corner for their change just so they can get another hit of whatever they're hopped up on. And the church, the big C church, has a poor history of condemning them. Instead of spending time getting to know them, hearing their stories, pleading for them, we build walls around our churches to keep them out. And it breaks my heart. I know I've heard this story personally. It breaks my heart when I hear about churches so concerned with the status quo, they ignore the people that God has put all around them that are hurting. You might have seen the movie um, Jesus Revolution. Uh, It was out, I think, last year. But it tells the true story of how one California pastor, Chuck Smith, challenged his own church during the 1960s um, to open up their doors to the smelly, shoeless, shaggy, long-haired hippies. And many in their church actually left. They couldn't handle it. They, They didn't want it. Yet, because Chuck had a heart to see people experience the powerful, life-transforming message of the gospel. A revival moved across America, and an estimated 70,000 people gave their life to Christ, some who are still proclaiming the gospel today. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything that I am so offended by that I would choose to let that person remain lost? That I would choose to leave them where they're at. I would rather condemn them than love them. How often do you remember that you were a sinner, saved by the great love of God, that you were once on the outside, you were once lost? Listen to this passage. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. None of us loved God 
You are not born into that. I don't care what church you grew up in. You are not born into loving God. That's not the way that it works. We have to make a conscious decision to respond to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then we have to willingly submit ourselves and following wherever he leads us and whatever he asks us to do. And this is what Christmas is. It's that God loved his creation so much that he would become one of us. He left glory, the worship of the angels, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He would leave the praise of heaven to enter into our brokenness. And then he would willingly give up his life for us. His life for ours. This morning, I pray that you and every person in your family truly understand the love of God for us. That God loves you. He died for you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the incredible love that you displayed. God, you had every right to remain in heaven, to be worshipped and adored, but you chose to enter into this broken world, this world that was broken by our own sin, the things that we had done. And you came into our world to show us an example what love really is, not only through your life, but especially through your death. And we thank you that because of that sacrifice, we can now have a relationship with God and your Holy Spirit can live in us, transforming us and making us more and more into the image of your Son. Father, I pray that if anyone here today hasn't accepted that gift, the gift of your Son and what he's done for us, that they would not leave without that being true for them today. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.